0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval welcome to bird and most powerful radio you are listening to the dr louis sandoval show and as always i am your host dr louis sandoval hope everybody is having a great day always a pleasure to be here with our catholic audience and anybody who's not catholic we always welcome you to learn about the faith and hear how we think and understand what it means to be catholic and what it means to follow jesus christ as a catholic Well, folks, let's get started with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. For forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen well folks came upon this interesting article the title is christianity quickly diminishing in u.s on pace to become minority religion in decades this to a study, uh, Christianity could possibly become the minority religion in the US as early as 2045, according to a Pew research study. Well, that's an interesting article. It's an interesting headline. It definitely caught my attention. And the question is, why? What's going on? To be honest with you, I just saw this uh, article yesterday. I'm going to go ahead and post it on our, um, uh, down here in the links, so you can look at it and see what's going on. Um, but let's read through it. and Let's see what's going on with Christianity. What's going on with How does this affect Catholicism in particular? And what does this mean for us as Catholics? If it's diminishing, if it's becoming a minority religion, well, should that be concerning or not? Let's see the article and then we'll do the commentary afterwards. It says a recently released study suggests that a number of Christians in the US, excuse me, the number of Christians in the US is diminishing quickly and is being replaced by those who do not identify With any religion so folks if you're not aware a lot of people nowadays, you know when you uh, fill out applications or even on voter registrations or anything along those lines. uh, One of the questions is usually what's your religion, or do you want to reveal what your religion is and a lot more people are saying that they we call them the nuns. Meaning that not the nuns like the nuns that are in a convent praying for us that we're aware of not like holy sisters who have received holy orders, but the nuns and they say I don't have a religion. I don't follow any kind of religion. I'm my own person or whatever their belief is. But a lot more people are saying that they do not identify with any religion whatsoever. So the article goes on to say a new report by the Pew Research Center and the General Social Survey published Tuesday found a surge of adults leaving Christianity to become atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. So atheists obviously don't believe in God, don't believe there is a, a higher power, don't believe that there is a deity, uh, nothing beyond humanity, we are biological and this is our, our own religion, if you will, or, or whatever created us was strictly a coincidence in the scientific world of biology and chemistry and, and, and that's how we came about, so a lot of people believe that and being atheist means you don't believe in God, agnostic meaning I don't know what's out there. There could be a God. There couldn't be a God. I don't know that it affects me much, though. I'm not part of that. And like I said, the nuns, nothing in particular, just not part of any kind of religion. The article goes on to say it predicted that if the number of Christians under 30 abandoning their faith accelerates beyond the current pace, adherence of the historically dominant religion of the U.S. could become a minority by 2045. That's where the important part going to be, the historically dominant religion. Uh, we're going to get to that at the end of the article as to why would that be important. But think about that uh, for the U.S. in particular. Noting how approximately 90% of the Americans identified as Christians in the early 1900s. The study observed that that number, which includes children, had fallen to only 64% by 2020. So we're looking at 2020. Not not that far, right? Not that long ago, about <clears throat> just a couple years ago, right? of Americans identified as Christians, 1990s. Fast forward 2020, 64%. The number of people in the U.S. who identify as religiously unaffiliated, meanwhile, skyrocketed. Remember, religiously unaffiliated, no particular religion. That went up from 16% to 29%. 16% in 2007, 29% in 2020, 13 years later. All of a sudden it's 30%, 29%. Other religions, such as Judaism, Islam, Hindu, and Buddhism, accounted for approximately 6% in 2020. The study presented four hypothetical scenarios by which the U.S. religious landscape could change in the coming decades. In one scenario, the researchers analyzed the potential impact of young Christian adults abandoning their faith and switching affiliation without limitation. That could happen. That could happen. Let's see. The other three scenarios hypothesize other types of increasing religious dissatisfaction, but they all show Christians continuing to shrink as a share of the U.S. population, even under the counterfactual assumption that all switching came to a complete stop in 2020. All four scenarios projected swelling ranks among the religious unaffiliated, or nuns, like I was saying, throughout the next half century. The only scenario that projects Christians maintaining a majority in the U.S. through 2070 is if no one changes their religious affiliation after 2020. In other words, hey, so long as things stay as they are right now, without any change, then, okay, Christians can maintain a majority oh, for the next 50 years or so, you know, ballpark. But if we're looking at the trend here, that's not what's happening. That's not That doesn't seem to be what's happening. It seems to be heading in the other direction. And I don't know that we would hold the stronghold for the next 50 years. Of course, it is possible that events outside of the study's model, such as war, economic depression, climate crisis, changing immigration patterns, or religious innovations, could reverse current religious switching trends, leading to a revival of Christianity in the United States, the study said. But there are no current switching patterns in the US that can be factored into the mathematical models to project such a result. Yeah, we can't predict these things. We don't know if that's gonna happen or not. But we're going to come back to that paragraph because that's going to be important too what's happening to our christian faith this is important from multiple angles from uh psychiatric angles from physical health angles from mental health angles and we're going to talk about why let's finish up this article because there's some very important things that we need to understand as christians as catholics as to how this is going to impact us if this trend continues the study's data showed that while more older americans are remaining identified with christianity Many younger adults are increasingly switching to nuns. In other words, no religion, no affiliation. If the pace of switching before age 30 were to speed up throughout the projection period without any breaks, Christianity would no longer be a majority by 2045. So we talked about that. In such a scenario, the number of religiously unaffiliated would stand at 52% religiously unaffiliated have no religion. 52 percent and the number of christians dipped to 35 percent in the next 50 years by 2070. switching has not ended and there is no reason to think that it will come to an abrupt stop the research said adding still if fewer future young adults switch from christianity to no affiliation or if movement in the opposite direction increases the future religious landscape might resemble the results of this projection the research predicted based on recent generational trends that the most likely scenario among the hypotheticals is Christianity declining, but still remaining capped at 50%. Well, a few things here, folks. So different numbers, different things, but what we're looking at is the trend. Why would we be able to predict 50 years ahead what's going to happen to Christianity? Because we're seeing what the trend is now. And the trend now is people not believing in Christianity, people deciding that it's not important in their lives or moving forward. Well... Who do I have to blame for that? I mean, we use the word blame. Why? Why do I throw the, throw the word blame out? I wouldn't necessarily say blame, but I'd have to ask myself what's going on with this trend. Why is this is this even happening? Um, what's What are the causes? I would say we got we got to think of a few different causes. Uh, one of them definitely the increase in technology, the increase in social media, the increase in our dependence on computers and the internet and things of that nature. Why would I say that? because on the one hand technology is great don't get me wrong technology is what it's allowing us to to have a conversation right now to be able to to talk about these things or listen about these things it can be great to use social media It can be great to use technology however what it has done is it's really absorbed our energy and consumption because now imagine not having the internet or the internet being down in your home you can't do anything right how we pay our bills how we check our bank accounts how we do all these things we can still go to the bank but we say i don't have that time look how convenient it is to do everything from here and it is don't get me wrong this is wonderful that it's convenient but with that convenience also came a lot of different distractions and the distractions are what's keeping us from being able to pray from being able to focus on our religion now i know a lot of folks especially a lot of our listeners probably use technology in, in the best of ways you get there and you see the articles on christianity on catholicism on things of that nature and of course that's a wonderful way to use the technology that's the best way because it's going to increase our love for god and our desire to get to heaven and increase our faith but for the majority notice that the, the focus is on the young folks the majority of the young folks what does that leave them with? where is that sense of being catholic being christian following christ we're going to talk about more about this when we come back from the break All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. As always, happy to bring our faith to our viewers and talk about what's important to us. Interesting article we're going through here talking about Christianity on the decline and eventually becoming a minority religion in what used to be the majority religion in the United States. Up to 90% as we saw in this article, according to Pew Research, uh, of people identified as being Christian just 20 years ago, you know, not, not that long ago, <clears throat> but nowadays it's not the case. It's not the case. And one of the things we were talking about is what is causing this trend? I mentioned technology, but it's really not the technology itself. In and of itself, technology is not bad. The question is, what are we doing with it? Of course right now i love technology i love listening to catholic radio i love listening to different catholic shows different uh, uh reading from different catholic authors and i can do all that through technology i can get on the internet and find so many different things gosh back in the day i'd have to go you know scrounge around for a radio if i wanted to listen to a radio show well now i can just go on somebody's website and listen to their radio show there right on this one machine this computer that has access to the internet that's amazing that that's wonderful when we have been taught or been educated to direct our focus to our faith. But the reality is our youth nowadays where are we at as far as teaching them the faith? What is it that they want to find when they go in to the internet? Are they really focused on thinking, gosh, what's going to be good for my soul? Or do they focus more on, gosh, I want to play video games. Or they can get into really, some really bad websites, some very simple websites. You know, are they, is, This is also a vehicle for very easy access to pornography. It used to be that for men, and they w- w- were suffering from this, if they had this temptation to go watch pornography. Well, they'd have to go find it somewhere. It wasn't this easy. Now it's coming to you. Now it's right there. Now there's no nobody. You don't have to go to what used to be called a red light district or a questionable store. You don't have to go anywhere. It's just right there uh, for you to to find. Well, <clears throat> what's going to happen with that? One of the things I would say is um, the other thing that's switching over or making a switch over or or veer away from Christianity, or allowing people to say that they are the nuns, is definitely when we abandon our faith, when we don't focus on our faith, we don't make it our priority, all of a sudden other things become priorities, or other things can sneak in there, such as people start to say, well, why not look at the occult? Why not look at other religions? What does, you know, the Catholic mass, it's so boring, it doesn't offer, it doesn't give me ever anything, I'm, I'm sitting there, I get nothing out of it. I want to get something out of my religion or my practice or something that I'm going to do. It better be worthwhile. So a lot of people turn to the occult. A lot of people turn to reading horoscopes. A lot of people put their hope in these things, uh, which is against our first commandment. Obviously our hope should be in God and only God, but our energy, if we, if we're not feeling fulfilled, if we don't understand the religion, if we're not in a place where we say, Hey, this is important. And I need to follow this religion because this is where the truth lies. This is where the truth of Jesus Christ lies. And that means something. What does that mean? If we don't have that in our hearts, it's very easy to say, I'm going to find something where I'm going to get quick results. Well, if I go to the curandero down the street, they told me that they're going to, you know, rub an egg over me and some some herbs and some leaves. They're going to say some spells. They're going to do different things. And right away, I'm going to see effects of somebody's going to fall in love with me, or I'm going to get more money, or I need, I need this fixed right away. You know, my loved one, they're sick in the hospital. I want them to, to get better. Let me see what my horoscope says. I know that if I if I follow something, then I'm going to see effect and change in my life. But the sad part is that we've lost that hope in Christianity. We've lost that sense of patience and saying, what is the truth and where am I going to get my healing from? Where am I going to get my rewards from? When we don't have that sense, if we're not teaching that to our young folks, I'm not surprised that they're running to something else. We have to lead by our example. For those of us who are in any way shocked or surprised by an article like this, we got to say, "Wow, Christianity is on the decline." What am I doing it to keep? What am I doing to keep it alive? What am I doing to say, "Hey, this is important." I want other people to realize that this is important. Well, it's a question we have to ask ourselves, that's for sure. So let's look at this. There was an interesting uh, paragraph here in this article which said, "Of course, it is possible that events outside the study's model." such as war, economic depression, climate crisis, changing immigration patterns or religious innovations could reverse current religious switching trends, leading to a revival of Christianity in the United States. Interesting that the article would say that. Why would there be a revival? If we look at this, what options do we have for there to be a revival? A crisis. A crisis. Why? Because in the moment of crisis, When all of a sudden there is war or economic depression or climate crisis or changing immigration patterns or religious innovations. Well, I don't know about the religious innovations, but the changing immigration patterns, the climate crisis, the depression, the economic uh, uh, wars, all these things decline. When there's decline, when there's crisis, when there's something going wrong, all of a sudden, what do we do? we turn to Christianity. We turn back to God. And this is where we wonder, gosh, why does God allow such bad things to happen? Why does God allow war to happen? Why does God allow economic depression to happen? I don't think he does. I don't think he allows it. I think that, well, he does allow it because it can happen. He gives us free will. He lets us be able to make our choices. But one of the things that happens here is when we've veered away from God enough, when we veered away from the truth, from Christianity, from what we know to be important in our lives we veer away from that long enough we start to fight each other we stop to believe in doing the good all that's good comes from jesus christ that's the bottom line if i veer away from jesus christ where is my inclination to do good where is my sense of impetus where is uh the idea that i can do something good for my fellow man and i will be rewarded in heaven well if i don't believe it in heaven why should i do anything good for my fellow man why should i do anything to help anybody out I don't know that that's necessary why would that even be necessary because the reality is gosh if i can if i can uh, just take care of myself and there's not going to be any reward later on i have nothing else to hope for why not go to war who cares about the money i'm going to hoard as much money as i can i'm going to keep it for myself i'm not going to share it i'm not going to be generous right climate crisis eh, you know the climate this and that whatever's going on but all of a sudden. We veer away from that, we do have wars, we start going through economic depressions, we don't have anything left materially in this world. Notice I say materially, because it's very easy to forget the spiritual aspect of our lives. We forget that we're body, mind, and spirit. We focus on the body a lot. We don't even, and we don't, we let the mind go by, because all of a sudden all that was important in terms of philosophy or, or the ideas of good, goodness, beauty, and truth. Well, that doesn't matter because I just want to fulfill myself in the material world. We start to fight. We have wars. Things go bad. Things go bad. And all of a sudden, what do we do when we have nothing left? Now we turn to God. Now we remember, oh, my goodness, there is a God. How do we know that this happens? Folks, it's in the Bible. It's not something new. It's humanity. It's human nature. It's exactly what we do from ages ago, from the beginning of time. That's what happens. Let's look at Moses in the desert, right? Right. Let my people go everybody came out of egypt and all of a sudden they were roaming in the desert they got their freedom they got what they wanted they came close to god but now they found challenges and the challenges were too much right and what happened they started to quarrel among themselves they started to form other gods they started to form graven images they started to say i want to go back gosh we had it better because now i have to sacrifice we had it better right until moses came down and said what are you doing you want to go back to that slavery our God got us out of that slavery. And yeah, now we're going to have challenges, but we're not slaves to the world anymore. We're not slaves to a Pharaoh. All of a sudden that's what happens to us as well. But it's sad that in those moments of crisis, when we have nothing else, that's when we turn to God. When we have wars and economic depression, that's when we're going to turn to God, which is bound to happen as well. We're in the middle of wars all the time everywhere in the world. And right now in the United States, we know that there is terrible, terrible economy are people turning back to God right now or not? Well, folks, this is where we got to decide what are we going to do in terms of keeping our religion and our faith alive. The first thing I would say is we need to focus on our children and what we're going to teach our children, which ironically, before even focusing on our children at this point now, We need to focus on ourselves. And I don't mean in a selfish way, because if I'm going to sit down, I think about this all the time. If I'm going to sit down and I'm going to teach my kids the Catholic faith, I have to ask myself, how well do I know it? Do I understand what I'm teaching my kids? Do I understand what I want them to know? Do I understand it for myself before I even teach it to them? And the bigger question is, am I doing it? I could tell my kids, hey, it's important to go to mass every Sunday. But do I go with joy? Do I make it important? Or am I dragging my feet? Yeah, sometimes it's boring. Sometimes I don't feel like going. I'm not always aware of the sacrifice that's happening. Because if I was, I'd want to be there every moment of every day and never leave that church. But when I'm there with my kids and getting ready for church, do I say, of course we need to get ready. Of course we got to go. Or do I say, oh, come on, kids. I don't want to go either. But we need to do this. It's a have to. If I do that, the desire to go to church is going to diminish with every generation, meaning that I'm going to say, hey, I'm going because I know I have to because my parents used to make me go and I've got to go and I'm going to get something out of it. But what my kids are seeing is, boy, dad's really dragging to this thing. And as they get older, they're going to say, why are we doing this? This is awful. This feels awful. It was awful for my parents. And now we're this. This doesn't make sense. Isn't it funner to just go to the beach? Isn't it better to just go hang out somewhere else? Let's go to a park. Let's go do something fun. The idea of fun is great. It's great to rejuvenate the body. But rejuvenate it from what? Have we done any work? Yeah, going to church is work. Praying is work. You know, one of the things that we talk about in deliverance ministry, if you listen, ever listen to Father Chad Ripperger and the times I've spoken with him, um, you know, he's like the leading exorcist here in the United States, if nothing else. Gosh, he'll tell you right away in deliverance ministry, the first thing you tell people is, hey, you want to get this demon out of your life. You gotta, You got to pray. You got to be Catholic. You got to follow the Catholic faith. And he says so many people at that point say, wait a minute, I got to do what to get rid? I don't know that I want to do this. And you're like, really, you'd rather have evil influencing your life than taking the time to stop and think about what's important as far as your spirituality. You see that this is destroying your life, but you're not ready to let that go. You're not ready to go and just sit down and pray. No. And you know why? Because it's hard work it's actually hard work to pray it's not it's not this passive thing a lot of people think oh the rosary it's for nice you know i see these nice old ladies at church praying the rosary and that's that's good for them but oh i'll let them that's kind of cute you know it's kind of a a a little cultural thing for them no it's not the rosary is part of our everyday christian meditation our catholic meditation you know when people say oh is meditation bad no the meditation is amazing in fact we're some of the originators of meditation. You know, the, we're the ones who started the monasteries. St. Benedict started uh, monasteries and being a monk. <clears throat> and is that so bad? What, what is that? That's, that's hard work is what it is. It's hard work to improve the spirit. It's no different than going to the gym and saying, I'm going to lift some weights. That's not easy. You want to see results, people are going to say, you're going to have to lift some heavy weights. You're going to have to come here day after day. You're going If you want to see results in your body and to keep it up, you got to do this on a daily basis. The reality is the same for keeping our Christian faith alive. It's not easy. It's not, it's not easy work because the world's going to tear us away from it. More work. With technology, one of the interesting things about technology, I always find this fascinating, you know. Back in the day, people say we used to work, oh gosh, it was paper and pen all the time. And we would have files and cabinets and a lot of paper. And with technology, now we have everything on computer. We can do things on certain forms and it'll be quick and you can send it and save it and you can keep all your files on the computer. My goodness, technology is great. But the reality is this, gosh, I can do things in in a lot quicker time. That would have been great if we said, well, let's keep doing the same amount of work, and now we can do it in half the time. And on top of that, now I can enjoy the rest of the day. But unfortunately, with that technology saying, hey, you can do it in half the time, now it's time to do double the work. Well, that means that we better start considering doing double the prayer, double the education time for our children, and double the increasing Christ in our hearts. More after the break. all right folks welcome back to virgin most powerful radio you are listening to the dr louis sandoval show today we're talking about is there a decline in christianity and will this decline continue to the point where we are no longer the majority religion in the united states this is an important topic to discuss because why it takes a big toll it takes a big toll on our lives if we don't follow our faith how do we know that because there's a domino effect so all of a sudden if it's the dominant religion in the United States, that tells you that the people running for public office, the people leading our schools, the people leading different organizations in our country have a Christian background, have a Christian faith, and have a faith-filled understanding and are going to make decisions based on that, whether we like it or not. And I say whether we like it or not, because of all of a sudden we don't have that, if all of a sudden we see all of our politicians turning from the way that this country was founded all of a sudden they're going to make decisions based on not being affiliated to religion, not caring about how that's going to impact our Catholic faith. And that's where, whether we like it or not, that's going to happen. How do we improve this? How do we save this? How do we make it so that our religion is back to the top, back to the majority of the people following the Catholic faith? We have to start with education. There was another great article I found gonna go through this article. I'll put the link to this one down below as well. And it's the failure of modern Catholic education. Remember back in the days, remember when we were growing up and everybody said, gosh, I want my kid to go to a Catholic school, whether they were Catholic or not, especially if they were in a lower uh, socioeconomic area, there were if they lived in an area of poverty, all of a sudden they said I don't like the public schools here. They're not, you know, they're not being funded well. They don't have the same resources, and I don't know that my child's going to learn as well. Let's get them into a Catholic school, um, because I know that the Catholic education was renowned for excellence in academics excellence in sports just excellence in anything that they did why because it was about being excellent towards god we had the base the foundation of prayer in our schools asking god to fill our lives asking god to come to our schools not saying we're perfect we're still full of humans it's not like people didn't sin there it's not like they were 100 um you know free from any issues what i'm saying is at least the idea was that we were striving towards god and towards improving ourselves in our morality <clears throat> I say improving, working on it. But without that, then what do we have left? Well, let's look at this article, A Failure of Modern Catholic Education. This article says, the vast majority of America's Catholic schools have become secularized. As such, they are too often spiritually dangerous places for child adolescent or young adult you know it's interesting my wife and i talked about this as our kids go to uh we're lucky enough that our kids do go to a catholic school Um, but we're talking about let's look at once they're done with the elementary school with the junior high they're gonna have to go to high school and the catholic high schools are they teaching the catholic faith or are they teaching the students to veer away from the catholic faith let's see what this uh, article says public public schools are much worse the catholic parent might say Perhaps, but public schools don't claim the one true faith. And this is true. This is one of our of our concerns. It is scandalous that Catholic schools dilute the faith because children who attend such schools developed a warped idea of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Instead of swimming upstream and dying to sell, students are strongly taught living the faith is not very different from living in and of the world. You know, it's very true. One of the things that my wife and I talk about is, Gosh, if we're going to send them to a Catholic school and we're going to make the sacrifice ourselves to pay for the tuition and all these things. And if they go to this Catholic school and they're being taught a watered down faith, I think that's actually counterintuitive. That's going to that's actually going to hurt them more than going to a public school where they're not taught anything necessarily about the Catholic faith. And it's incumbent upon us as parents, as it always is, to teach them the truth of our faith. But what's the danger of going to a Catholic school? Well, Dr. Sandoval, what do they do? What are the only Catholic school around is uh, a little watered down. It's okay, but it's still Catholic. Well, here's the problem. I send them there and they come home and I try to tell them, no, this is what our Catholic faith teaches. This is what the church teaches. And they're going to say, I don't know, dad, you know, you're sending me to a Catholic school and at the Catholic school, they taught me something different. I might believe that because it's a little bit easier to follow. And it's Catholic because you're sending me to the Catholic school. And I'm going to say, no, that's not Catholic. And they're going to say, well, I don't know about that. I was taught that at the Catholic school. I think that's much more damaging. How do you fix that? You know, this is the problem with if we ever have a priest teaching heresy. If we have, if anybody ever says, you know, the the host, the communion, the Eucharist, it's more of a, you know, it's more of a symbol. It's it's uh it's just it's, it's bread. It's kind of what Jesus wanted us to do. No, it's not the real body and blood of Christ. No, it's not like that. That's dangerous. That's dangerous in and of itself. You know, it doesn't matter who's teaching that, especially if it's a priest or a bishop or some authority in a Catholic school, because my kids are going to come home and I'm going to tell them, hey, this is the body and blood of Christ. We have to receive this every Sunday. We believe that this is the body and blood of Christ, and it is the body and blood of Christ, whether we believe it or not. That's what—that's what's in the Eucharist. It, there's a transubstantiation. Transubstantia- you might not see it, but it's no longer bread and wine. It looks like it. But the reality is, it is the body and blood of Christ. How do I undo poor Catholic teaching? It might be harder to undo poor Catholic teaching than say, hey, go to a public school and let me teach you exactly what the faith is. Well, let's go on and see what the article goes on to say. Christ commands his followers to deny themselves and take up their cross daily. He adds, blessed are those who are persecuted, but the typical Catholic school teaches teachers treat public sin like normal part of development that's just the way people are is the rationalization which is why moral correction is uncommon that's important right there moral correction do we have that anymore the problem is that in society nowadays all we hear is oh it's okay you do you which is good not a problem you can do you But the reality is, if I say you do you, it means that there's no set morality. You do what you need to do, whether it's moral or not. I'm going to do what I need to do, whether it's moral or not. And we don't have the sense of, hey, this is what's right and wrong. Why? Because that's where you need Catholicism. That's where you need our faith. That's where we follow our faith to direct us to what is the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. And from that follows our morality. Let's see here. Ultimately, the students learn nothing about the cross and self-denial, instead becoming exponents of indifference. Well, that can be a little little challenging right there, right? All of a sudden, everything's indifferent. And if you've heard other shows before, what happens with indifference? That's called being lukewarm. And our Lord does not like lukewarm Catholics. He doesn't like lukewarm anybody. It's not about being indifferent. You got to make a decision. Those are the worst offenders, our Lord says. He says, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to gonna chew you up and spit you out. There's nothing good about that. They, you haven't made a decision. It says, obviously, the teacher's failures to correct their students' morals comes from the fact that they, generally speaking, do not correct their own. Like we've been saying, folks, we got to start with ourselves. I got to check myself first. Where am I in my life? Where am I in my Catholic life? Am I following what I truly believe? And do I believe that which the church teaches? Because I might follow what I believe. Guess what, every day I'm gonna follow what I believe. But at that moment, I gotta ask myself, what do I believe? If I'm gonna sin and I sin knowingly, then in that moment of sin, I believe that that's okay. I don't believe the Catholic teachings anymore. Now, there's a difference between succumbing to that and saying, gosh, I'm human, I have temptations, I still believe in the church teachings, I better get myself to confession because I know something wasn't right there, versus saying, you know, I'm just going to go my way, I'm going to do it my way, I don't have to worry about confession because what I am doing is correct. That's where we can fall into that, into that trap. So let's see here, such teachers who do not correct their own morality fail in their duty to be outstanding in correct doctrine and integrity of life as the church mandates. And this is, uh, you can find this in the the canon law uh, number 803. So again, it says uh, you have to be outstanding in correct doctrine and integrity of life, right? The removal of faithful teachers who do adhere to church doctrine and present it to their students is equally scandalous. About a year ago, I was fired for quoting a saint, according to Kyle Copy former theology department chairman at a large all boys Catholic high school. My experience has taught me that most run of the mill Catholic schools are basically expensive public schools with poorly taught religion classes. Unfortunately, the faith is not the most important thing to these schools. And that's what we're talking about folks. What's gonna happen when all of a sudden we have a teacher who does teach correctly, who wants to teach the morals of the faith. This, this is a teacher at an all boys Catholic high school all he did was, quote, a saint, and all of a sudden, he's not allowed to teach there. That's pretty scandalous. That's pretty scandalous, right? Where are we in our Catholic faith? Why aren't we allowed to teach our Catholic faith? Scandal is not merely a product of something somebody did. It's more commonly a product of something somebody did not do. This latter sin of omission is embodied by too many Catholic schools. You know, we forget that. This is important. We, we forget that all the time, that there is the sin of omission right? We think about sinning. What did you do? I mean, i don't want to do anything bad. But sometimes we forget that by not acting, we are acting. By not doing something that we should do, such as praying, such as going to church, those are sins of omission. I didn't go to church. So obviously, there's something I did not do that I was supposed to do. I didn't pray today. I didn't honor my God today. Obviously, there's something that I didn't do that I was supposed to do, the sin of omission. Sometimes those are the more painful, the more hurtful sins, because they go by the wayside because I had the opportunity to do something good and I didn't do it. And hey, I'm guilty of it in my life as well. I got to check myself just like everybody else. But that's what we got to do. It's not about being scared or, or, or laying too much blame around. It's more, let's take a step back and see if Christianity, if Catholicism is diminishing uh, in our society, what am I doing to do the opposite? If I haven't been doing anything, gosh, now's the time to start. I better start praying a little bit more. And guess what? My prayers are going to affect other people where does it all start? It all starts in the education process. It all starts uh, making sure that our students, that our children, get a good Catholic education with the truth of Catholicism. The aim of these corrupt schools is not the teaching of the fullness of the faith as it should be. Rather, they seek the heterodox alloying of the faith with the world. As always, this approach is cloaked under the mantle of tolerance, acceptance, and compassion. They're more concerned with things like sports, Uh, bowing to the idol of critical race theory, trying to hold on to their once deserved prestigious status and imitating the failing godless progressive model of education, this teacher said. Well, this is important to consider because what is the school worried about? What is the school focused on when they're teaching our children? Especially for us as parents, what am I sending my kids to? Because it's my responsibility at the end of the day to make sure that they are getting the truth. Conservatives often complain about their children being exposed to evil ideologies in public schools. We hear the same complaints about Catholic schools. While evil must be confronted everywhere, the circumstances are entirely different in public schools. Evil ideologies are expected and inevitable. In Catholic schools, they are unacceptable in every circumstance, which is true. You know, folks, we're going to talk about this. I see the break's coming up. We're going to finish this article talking about this, but we're also going to talk about what can we do? What are some concrete examples we can do to embolden the faith, to liven the faith again, and bring it back to a fiery resurgence in our hearts and in the hearts of our children that future generations can continue Catholicism. Welcome back to Bert's Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, a pleasure to be here. Folks, today we are talking about keeping Christianity alive, keeping Catholicism alive in our society, keeping it as an important integral part of our society. You know, it's important to remember that we can't take our faith for granted. You know, it's easy to think, gosh, you know, the church is always gonna be there. The the Eucharist is always gonna be there. I missed mass this Sunday and that's okay. I'll I'll catch it next Sunday, not a big deal. Well, folks, you know, anybody who's, who went through the COVID quarantine and realized that churches were closing down and we did not have access to our Lord in the Eucharist, should think twice about this christianity is on the on the decline in society if catholicism is on the de- decline in society what's to say that more churches aren't going to close because lack of enthusiasm or lack of need gosh if people aren't going to church you know we can we easily get scandalized and say wow why is this diocese closing down so many churches i heard that they were going to close down 30 percent of their churches well guess what folks if they can't fill the pews there's also an economic situation can, can we viably keep up you know, that many churches, the electricity, the lights, is are, are we having people come to the, to the pews and donate? At the same time, I would ask, well, why aren't you having people come to the pews and donate? What's keeping people from being, you know, excited about going to church? Where are the priests who are supposed to be teaching the people how important it is to go to church? Where are the priests who uh, still have faith and are willing to make sacrifices and penances uh, to make sure that People come to the church. Where's the where are the priests who are willing to do a holy hour every day in front of the blessed sacrament? You know, are the priests are our priests still reading their breviaries? Are they are they praying for the world? Is that important? Or is it more important to be out there and talking to people and become famous? And, you know, this is what we've got to ask ourselves. Where is our faith in this respect? affects us in many ways and like i say and we were talking about before the break it's got to start with the education and the education more importantly of our young children keeping them involved in the faith helping them understand the faith helping them have a fire in their hearts uh for the faith i remember that's where it started for me gosh in in elementary school obviously i mean for me i was lucky my parents always instilled the faith in us but that was reinforced in school it was not changed whenever we went to school we were taught very nicely about the truths of the Catholic faith. We were taught some of the very basics. I remember learning the Angelus in third grade. I remember learning about the corporate works of mercy and spiritual works of mercy in school. I remember learning about the Ten Commandments. I remember all these things coming from school and then coming home, having to study them in religion and my parents reinforcing that and back and forth. And then my parents teaching me about it and then we learn it again in school. You know, that's what sticks in a child's heart. That's what we remember, and that's what's that's what's gonna grow to be to be known as the truth in our hearts, that we are exposing our children, that we are teaching our children, that we are letting them know that, hey, it's not easy to follow the Catholic faith, but it's important because it's what's gonna get us to heaven. Let's keep going and reading this article talking about the school system and educating our children. It says the public school system swears allegiance to the state. Thus, conservatives should not be surprised that their children are learning about the so-called mortal sin of being you know mortal sins being uh not bad in contrast parents should have a righteous anger much like our lord in the temple in john chapter 2 verse 15 if this occurs in our catholic schools you know there's so many catholic schools nowadays that are saying we don't want to teach sin we don't want to teach the difference between mortal sin and venial sin i remember learning about that in other words a secular and godless state will have secular and godless curriculum no one should expect otherwise but any institution bearing the name catholic is obliged to honor the claim and should be held to it if students minds are twisted in catholic middle school or high school catholic colleges represent the last bastion of hope to repair the damage or not i would dare say you know this article talks about catholic middle schools or high schools and that's when the minds are twisted I would say it starts as early as the elementary school because that's what you're going to remember the most. You know, why is it that we go through first grade, second grade, and we learn our times tables, our additions, our subtractions, and you go through that day in and day out and you sit there and you memorize them and memorize them? Why? Because that's what's going to hold true the rest of your life. If you don't know your times tables, it's going to be a little bit hard to survive in the world. We use that every day right? It's the most basic of things that stays in our hearts and that no matter where we navigate, well, you better know your tables. I might not know other languages, but I know the numbers up on the board. I understand that, right? It's the same thing with our faith. We want to get that into our kids as early as elementary school, as early as kindergarten, first grade, preschool, um, and to make sure that that's solidified in their heart. Later on when they're in junior high and they hear something that's not the truth, if they had gotten a good base even in the first, you know, the first few years of elementary school, they're not going to waver quite as much. The truth stays in your heart. Jeremy Tate, CEO of the Classical Learning Test, believes most Catholic colleges are not authentically Catholic. The few that that are include that are include Wyoming Catholic College, Thomas Aquinas College, Ave Maria University, Benedictine College, Franciscan University, and the University of Dallas. Tate added, all of these faithful Catholic colleges have and excuse me, have set enrollment records while the vast majority of Catholic colleges are seeing declining enrollment. People seem to be slowly awakening to the dehumanizing effects of secular Catholic education. The passionate Catholic colleges are campuses of loyal and levity. Tate said, they are places any parent would want their child to spend four years. Conversely, the insincerely Catholic colleges function much like their secular counterparts. Well, how do they function? How do, well, what do you mean by their secondary counterparts? It says the Catholic in name-only campuses are sterile and lifeless, with kids going through the motions to earn a degree that carries less and less weight. So he talks about Ralph Franska, who spent 13 years as a professor and department chairman at inauthentically Catholic universities, concurred. So this guy, this guy was actually a professor and a, a department chairman at Catholic universities, which were considered not real Catholic universities, the vast majority of Sino colleges, Catholic in name only, are led by non-Catholic or insincerely Catholic administrators and professors, he said, they ignore and dismiss fundamental tenets of the Catholic faith and reject Pope John Paul II's masterful ex-corte ecclesiae. They stubbornly refuse to allow the faith or official church teachings to influence how they perform their highly secularized duties. The theology professor at one inauthentic college university where this gentleman worked, Franska, actively taught students that Mary did not conceive Jesus by the Holy Spirit, but rather by an unknown human father. The annunciation was fictitious, and Mary's perpetual virginity virginity was a sham. The university's president named this theology professor teacher of the year. Well, folks, this is what we got to contend with. This is the the challenge that we have to contend with um let's look here a lifeless education is to be expected from a system derived from spiritually dead state but this dehumanization cannot and should not come from a system claiming to adhere to Christ's teachings however it does our Lord might say to the young victims of the scandal father forgive them for they know not, for they know not what they do and to each of the educators and administrators the king of kings might declare it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. we got to remember, Jesus said that if anybody violated a young child in any way, this is their fate. In 1972, the words of Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen represent wise advice to, for any Catholic parent. And this is what Fulton Sheen said. I recommend that my relatives send their college-bound children to secular colleges where they will have to fight for their faith rather than to Catholic colleges where it will be stolen from them. And that's what I'm talking about, folks. This is the important part. You know, when I think about where am I gonna send my kids to school and Catholic colleges and high schools, this is exactly, I think, just exactly what Fulton Sheen said. I'd rather they go to a public school where I have to fight and tell them about the faith and explain to them what the faith is, where they're not gonna be veered away by false Catholicism, because how sad it is to go to a school where they tell you, I'm gonna teach you the Catholic faith, and then they veer you away and they teach you an incorrect faith, an incorrect um, modality, an incorrect teaching about the truth. That truly is a violation because one of the things that we deserve as human beings, is just human nature. It's not something that we've earned, but just being human, We want to know the truth. We deserve to know the truth. And how do we know this? Because even if we look in our secular world, why do we have courthouses? Why do we have a legal system? The legal system is really there to say there is a truth and a lie, and we're going to come down to the truth. Isn't that what lawyers are supposed to do? They always say, no, I just want to find the truth. The, the, The courthouse is to find the truth so that we can decide what went right and what went wrong. There is a right and a wrong. There is a truth and there are lies. And at the end of the day, when I want to teach my children the truth of the Catholic faith, I wanna make sure that those who are educating, those who are teaching, are actually also following the truth and understand that to be true. But what can we do as parents? Well, here's something that's a little bit shocking. Before you even send your kids to Catholic school or to decide where you're gonna send them to school, what we've gotta remember is, they've already been learning. They've already had teachers. And those teachers are us, their parents. It's always going to start with the kids. It's always going to start with what are we teaching the future generations? And ever since the moment that we get married, ever since the moment that we find a spouse, we're teaching our children because I've already made a decision and said, this is who I want to marry and this is who I want to have children with. Well, those children are going to learn from both parents. They're going to learn from myself. They're going to learn from my wife. Am I making the right choice? Is this somebody I want to marry? Is this somebody who's going to teach my children the Catholic faith the way I know it? Is this somebody who is going to who my children are going to look up to? Is this somebody who I'm going to say, I am proud that this is my spouse and that they are the mother or the father of my children? That's where it starts. And this is what we really need to teach our kids. Hey, when you're looking to the future, when you're looking to get married, ask yourself, what do you know to be true? And is this person going to help carry that on for the future generations in your children are they going to teach your children the same way why because as, ch- as soon as a child's born for looking at education what do i want to teach my children what school am i going to send them to well there's the school of the home and at home children are learning what it means to be loved and what it means to love they're going to know that by the way i treat my spouse and the way my child my spouse treats me by the way that their parents live their faith out do we see mom and dad going to church Are mom and dad praying the rosary Are mom and dad truly believing that the host is the body and blood of Christ? And do they receive it reverently? Do they go to confession together? Do both of them see it the same way? The children pick this up. This is what they're going to learn. They're going to say either this is important or this is not important. You know, mom really thought this was important, but dad, he didn't care. Or vice versa. Dad really wanted to pray, and mom, she didn't really care about that. That's going to make a big difference. That's going to have an impact not only in in how they see the world, but in how they see their religion and how they see what's important and what should be carried on and taught to future generations. This is what's going to matter at the end of the day. So as soon as the child's born, they know this. In fact, as soon as the child's in the womb, when they're conceived, they understand what's going on in the household. They can hear voices. They know who's around. They know when mom's happy or mom's sad. And then once they're born and they're in the household, once they're in the house, they see what's going on around the house before they even get to school they already know, is my Catholic faith important or not? If we wait until the kids get to school to be taught about the Catholic faith, then we are we are not following and not fulfilling our responsibility as parents. That was one of the marital promises, right? If you get married in the Catholic faith, you're, one of the things that you promise is that you will bring your child up in the Catholic faith. Now, a lot of times people think, well, I'll wait till they get to school for that. Oh, no. I'm teaching them the Catholic faith. I'm teaching them the Catholic faith in their very first years before they even meet any other teacher, because we can't forget that as parents, we are the first teachers, and our homes are the first schools. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to matter. That's what's going to form the solid base. So if we're worried about Catholicism, Christianity diminishing in society, well, we've got to ask ourselves, has it diminished in our own households? I believe that we can do much better. I believe we can bring Catholicism into our household. I believe that we can bring faith back into our children's hearts.